You're listening to the Baptist Bulletin Podcast, a program dedicated to advocating for a biblical worldview by encouraging Christian growth and ministry from a biblical perspective. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Baptist Bulletin Podcast. I'm David Gunn, Director of Regular Baptist Press, and I am joined as always by Mike Hess, National Representative of the GARBC. Mike, how you doing today? Doing great, David. How about yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. Today we are talking about your recent book that was published by Regular Baptist Press just in the last couple of months, No Contest, Overcoming a Competitive Spirit. Why don't we start out the episode today by just having you give a, a quick overview of the book. What, uh, what, what were you trying to accomplish in this book? And for those who have not purchased a copy yet and who might be interested in doing so, what's the book about? Sure. The overall premise of the book is that when we're constantly comparing ourselves and competing with other people that God has brought into our lives, or maybe those we see on a screen through our social media feed or we see on TV, we're just constantly bombarded with temptations to compete and compare ourselves. And when we fall into that enslavement, we end up not loving people that God has brought into our lives. So it's impossible to compete and compare with someone and love them at the same time. And what ends up happening is we miss opportunities and we miss what the focus of our lives should be is the stewardship that God has given to us. I must please God despite what anyone else might have, despite whatever God has chosen to bless other people with, I must please God, and that must be my focus today. And part of that involves ministering to other people and viewing them as objects of love and service rather than as competitors for whatever this world has to offer or what have you, correct? What motivated you to write a book on this subject? Uh, Yeah, being in ministry, pastoral ministry, for several years, uh, not only that, I think the phenomenon of social media has contributed to this. I'm finding more and more Christians struggling with this competitive attitude. Uh, for, For instance, some would say, I look through my social media scroll or I talk to others and I get depressed. I get discouraged when I see God blessing others. And this virus can also go into the ministry as well, among pastors, where the church across town has a new building program, they have a popular podcast, they have a popular YouTube channel, and it seems like month after month, year after year, you're just struggling to keep the doors open. And if we're not careful, there could develop a a real deep-seated cynicism in our hearts if we don't look at this biblically. And that happens among the laity as well, right? Exactly. Even just lo- looking out your right. your uh, front door across the street at the neighbor who who has uh, several nice cars when you're struggling to pay off one, yeah. or, uh, or or anything along those lines. And I use those examples in the book. For instance, you know, a couple that might be struggling with infertility, and they struggle with a couple that seems like every ten months are having a newborn baby, or you're at your job and you work with someone who you know is not qualified for a certain position, yet they get it. And you just cannot seem to get ahead at that company or your family struggling with health while your sibling or your neighbor is doing uh, well with their health. And it's like, what's going on here? And we compare, not realizing that right now, at this very moment, I have it better than I deserve because of Christ. Mm. 
A few moments ago, you mentioned social media, and I wanted to circle back around to that subject because I think it plays a large part in sort of shaping how we think about ourselves and our place in the world and how we interact with other people. Social media really is an impetus for exactly the kind of competitiveness, comparison, and cynicism that you're describing, is it not? Correct. Very much so. And, uh, and so the challenge then for believers, whether they're you know, professional ministers or laity, is, is how do I exist in a social media-saturated world in a way that pleases Christ and in a way that does not buy into this kind of constant dog-eat-dog jockeying for position competitiveness you're talking about? How should we do that, Mike? Yeah, great question. And I just want you to think, you wake up in the morning... And, and I think one of the worst things you could do, the first thing you do when you roll out of bed, is scroll your social media feed. Or when you're discouraged, or when things are going badly. And think, how did Christians please God since the canonization, since scripture was complete? How have uh, Christians pleased God for nearly two millennia? Well, they've done it by his word. Hmm. They've done it by obeying his word. And that's true today. And God tells us not to be envious, not to be jealous, that if we bite and devour one another, we got to be careful not to be consumed with one another in Galatians 5, that, uh, you know, John the Baptist said in John 3, verse 27, no one could have anything unless, unless he's received it from above. So when we look at our social media, biblical principles apply there. We cannot compartmentalize biblical principles. They're broad into every crevice of life, even as you struggle through your scroll and their family seems to look nicer, the vacation they went on seems to look nicer, their status updates are more clever, uh, they just seem to have that perfect looking cover photo and uh, you might not be able to get your child to stop spilling their milk off their high chair. <laughs> Life just seems to be messy and there's toys all over the floor and you just stepped on one and you want to Post it on Facebook, my life's a real mess right now, which probably wouldn't be the most edifying thing. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't. So, so it sounds like you're suggesting maybe we should not be doing our morning devotions on the <laughs> Facebook news feed. Is that, yeah. is that, is that a, a fair uh, synopsis of uh, your advice here? Right. Yeah, probably not the best idea. And it's always the best idea to go back to what we know is true. What do I know to be true? Uh, your social media scroll is probably not what you know to be true but we do know whatsoever things are lovely pure just honorable of good repute philippians 4 8 dwell think on those things and the fruit of that will be the peace of christ that guards your heart that passes all understanding philippians 4 8 and 9 yeah that's good it's not not to say that we are uh, fervently opposed to using social media or right, anything absolutely. along those lines i just think it's helpful for christians to keep in mind that social media by its very nature gives you a distorted view of the way things really are and uh, it's it's necessary to keep that in one's mind as you try to navigate those uh, those treacherous waters Let's talk briefly about the issue of identity, because I, I think that plays a part in what you're talking about here. Certainly in recent days, the term identity has kind of become a buzzword, and we talk about uh, people choosing to identify as this, that, or the other, uh, and we wouldn't necessarily see eye to eye with a lot of people in the way that they use that term. 
But the concept of self-identity is not a completely worthless one. We all think about ourselves according to a certain way and a certain set of parameters. And uh, I, I can't help but wonder if part of what drives that competitiveness, that cynicism, uh, that constant comparison is that people are investing their identity in the wrong place. Right. Do you think that's a fair way of putting it? Yeah, very much so. There's a real struggle in all of our hearts to find our identity and how well we're complimented or applauded or recognized. For instance, I know people who essentially look at their friendships as kind of a, a quid pro quo. If they're not kind to me, well, I'm not going to be kind to them. Or they look at their friendships as a, a value giver. They have a certain position, so I want to be friends with them. And so therefore, that's going to elevate my value. But you could have no higher position in the universe than to be declared righteous in Christ and to be an adopted child of God into God's family through faith in, in Jesus Christ. There's no higher position than that. To be an heir of Christ, uh, Romans 8 talks about. It, there's so many things jockeying for identity, so it doesn't really matter if what we say about ourselves. It matters what God says. So when I look at the world around me and God is choosing to bless other people or I'm becoming prideful because I think I have more than another person, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. What matters, what does God say about me? And what does God see in my heart, in the deepest recesses of my heart? And if I'm focused on that... That's going to keep me so occupied. I don't know about you, David, and those listening, but Mike Hess has enough in his heart to keep him occupied every day of his life uh, and keep him hopefully in the Word and close to the Lord and, and focusing on my issues instead of making everyone else's issues the subject of a passive-aggressive Facebook post or uh, making passive-aggressive comments at others. I have to focus on my heart. And focusing on our identity as it is established through our union with Christ uh, should over time lead to contentment, Absolutely. right? As opposed to this kind of discontent that we see all over the place when people are obsessed with uh, material things or position or power. Uh, these things that ultimately are of very, very little value in the grand mm -hmm. scheme of things. And uh, as Christians... We probably should know better than to obsess over them, but, uh, but we don't always. Right. Correct. In chapter 6 of your book, you zero in on two figures from the very underrated little book of Third John, and those two figures are Gaius and Diotrephes, and you use them as kind of uh, stand-ins for two different kind of categories of thinking or being or living, and relate that back to your discussion of competitiveness and comparison. Why don't you kind of flesh that concept out for our listeners, because I think it's an interesting way of approaching this. Sure, and that small book, like you called underrated, often overlooked, you have uh, two portraits of, of different church members, actually. You have one, Gaius, who's kind of your dream church member. He's a servant, he's hospitable, he's encouraging, he's welcoming to people, the kind of guy every pastor wants in a church. Then you have this guy, Diotrephes, who you hope never attends your church and never considers joining and if he comes to the membership class, you and your church leadership are coming together thinking, how do we keep this guy out of our church? And it, the phrase used in scripture is, he loved to be 
first, or he loved to be preeminent in all things. So he always put himself forward. Well, what happened to him? Because he always had to be first, he wasn't hospitable. He wasn't welcoming. He went against what the Apostle John taught. Could you imagine that? Uh, standing up in a public testimony saying, I stand against apostolic authority. That, that's a real troubling position to be in. And now he's immortalized forever, forever. In, the, in the pages of Holy Scripture for doing so. Right. Uh, very and unenviable. I've prayed for a lot of children at baby dedication services, never baby baptism services, but baby dedication services. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, that they've never been named Diotrephes no, because he's no. known as a prideful, self-centered individual. That particular name hasn't gained a foothold in the uh, in the baby name books, has it? Right. And, and the point with that is people like that who always have to be first, they hurt people. They end up not having long-lasting, fruitful friendships. People usually look at them kind of like the plague. They want to get away from them. Uh, they cause problems in churches. And they typically have a bad history of hopping from church to church or causing problems with the church leadership in the church they're in. Mike, what are two or three practical things that people can do to work on overcoming a competitive spirit? Sure. Maybe someone out there is listening to this, they're saying, yeah, that sounds great, I, I get this at least in theory or in concept, but what do I do just day by day in, in a real rubber meets the road kind of sense to combat this? First, yeah, good question. Let's go back to our conference theme this year is perspective. And let me just say this. Not all competition's bad. Sure. Uh, your, your kid's t-ball game, your daughter's volleyball, uh, playing golf with your friends. Look, last night I was watching uh, the first place Chicago Cubs, and I enjoyed watching my team win. That was fun. So it could be kept in perspective. But let's say you're going overboard where you think you've kind of crossed the line where you're being sinful with this, first thing is, is come before God, who is gracious and compassionate and forgiving, and confess it to him. Uh, Proverbs chapter 28 and 1 John 1 verse 9, you know, God will cleanse you if you confess. Then pray. Uh, pray that uh, God would give you a love for others, that you wouldn't find your identity in stuff and things and position, but that you would constantly go back to your identity in Christ. The other thing I'd encourage you to do, no matter where you're at in your journey of understanding the Bible, no matter how well-read or well-versed you are in Scripture, find some key texts of Scripture that you can constantly hide in your heart that when this temptation comes, quote those verses to yourself or read them out loud. There is nothing more powerful in your life right now than the power of the Word of God. Constantly go back to that and quote those verses to yourself. And remind yourself that truth and the power of that truth is greater than the sin you're struggling with right now. That's good. I, I like the emphasis on perspective. And I think that is such a large part of the battle that we're talking mm -hmm. about. Uh, and a piece of advice that I, I received many years ago that has been invaluable to me is keep your gaze always on Christ mm -hmm. and your glance on your experiences or your circumstances. Man, that will go such a long way toward helping you in this struggle because our tendency is to do the opposite, yeah. right? And to sort of gaze at our circumstances, our finances, our housing, our, our whatever our, our current struggle is that we're dealing with. And there's always going to be struggles and, and, and trials and difficulties in this life. And only to sort of glance occasionally at Christ. Mm. And in fact, we need to turn that 
completely around and be dwelling on and meditating on who Christ is, what he's done for us, what my identity in Christ means, and, uh, and, and only glancing surreptitiously at the circumstances around us. No doubt. Um, for those who would be listening to this and say, I am too competitive, and maybe it's hurting your ministry friendships, and maybe it's hurting relationships within your family, Maybe you distance yourself from those who you're just tired of God blessing them. Uh, I just want to encourage you today. This is hurting you more than anyone. And God can change that in your life through the power of his grace. And if we're going, going to obey the Great Commission, making disciples of all people locally and globally, we cannot have this heart attitude. We just simply cannot. And it's going to hurt your church. It's going to hurt your marriage. It's going to hurt relationships. So uh, I would encourage those listening, if you could grab a copy of the book, it, it's helpful for group studies. It has uh, practical questions at the end that uh, would be helpful for discussion and hopefully in some ways challenges us to find our ultimate uh, contentment in Christ alone and not in stuff, things, or position. That's well said. The book is No Contest, Overcoming a Competitive Spirit. And the best place for you to order a copy is at rbpstore.org. And we will include a link in the show notes for this episode. Mike, I think that about wraps it up for us. Thank you, David. Thank you for your time. And thank you, listeners. Until next time, Solus Christus. Thank you for listening to the Baptist Bulletin Podcast. The regular Baptist network of ministries exists to make disciples through healthy local churches. If you like this podcast, subscribe to your podcast platform of choice. You can find out more about our ministries at garbc.org and follow Regular Baptist Ministries on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.